Welcome, everyone, and happy football Sunday. But you don't have to be watching football. You could be listening to my radio show. We have an hour here. We're going to be talking about legal stuff. We're going to be talking about uh, some legal issues in the news and taking your legal questions here at 312-981-7200. And before we get going, I just wanted to mention, if you listened to my show last week, we were talking about the number of young men who are being fished out of the water dead uh, in our Chicago waterways. Uh, at least 11 men and as many as 15 in the last year and a few months, which just seems very odd. And I had uh, two guests on that are linking it to to a possible serial killer, although the authorities are not talking about it as such. And just after we were done Sunday, the next day, uh, there was another body found in Bridgeview in the water there. I'm sorry, Bridgeport, and uh, and it's and it's a man. I don't know any other facts about it. I don't know if it's related. But again, I think we should all be watching that story and uh, making sure everybody's safe out there. Let's get going. You know, I wanted to have a, this is a little personal announcement of mine. I get to do that. It's my radio show. Uh, I, uh, as of February 1st, my practice merged uh, with another attorney, and my firm is now called uh, Conti and Dolan. My new partner, Patrick Dolan, is a very experienced employment attorney. He's, he's practiced for over two decades. He's represented executives and businesses in employment matters, drafting employment agreements, severance agreements, non-competes. Uh, he he advises people on issues of harassment and discrimination, wrongful termination, whistleblower. And I thought I'd have him on the show and, and talk a little bit about uh, the employment law issues uh, that are currently going on right now. Patrick, welcome to the show. And, you know, I guess I could turn your microphone on. There we go. Hi, Patrick. Hey, hey, thanks. Good to be here. Thanks, Karen. Good, good to have you. So it's fun. We, so we, we still we haven't gotten an argument yet. No. It's been two weeks. I, I think we should take the mics and the headphones to our office. <laughs> this is like fun. And then we'll stay, and then we'll stay on good terms because right. we don't want people to know. Right. You know, employment uh, 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 partnerships are a hard uh kind of a, a business or structure, right? Yeah, so you know, far you, so good, though. So far it's so working, good. Working out great. That's right. You know, in, in fact, uh, how we sort of met is it was Labor Day weekend, if yep. you recall, and I wanted to talk about labor issues on Labor Day, and I called you up. I, I know your firm. I know you guys do great work for your for your uh, clients, and you agreed to come down, and we kind of hit it off, and we started yep. talking and chatting, and, and I know you were looking for a different office space, and we kind of just melded together, and here we are uh, in, in a partnership. It's, so. it's nice when these things happen organically. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it, it is right. And it's nice because I do family law predominantly, yep. as you know, and you do employment law. Yep. And so we kind of have that, you know, in the home and in the workplace. It's all about helping people. Yeah, yeah. it's all about helping people. Right. And um, and hopefully we'll, it'll be nice for us to have that little more depth in the practice. So that's good. Yeah. So we're going to have to take a break pretty soon. But I wanted to get going on a topic that I think sure. is interesting. And maybe we'll do a quick question and then we'll continue it. You know, given that it's Valentine's Day coming up, I want wanted to talk about romance in the workplace. Yep. And I was really shocked to see there was a recent study done in December that said that 75% of all people in the United States say they have had an office romance. Now, I don't know if that means something permanent or less than permanent or just a romance, a quick romance. Um, it, just generally speaking, as an employment lawyer, is this a good or bad idea? Well, there's nothing per se illegal about that relationship. However, a company can have a policy that prohibits a relationship between coworkers or especially a boss and a subordinate. Um, it may sound good and look good while it's happening and, and everything's going well. The problem is 
it often doesn't turn out well for somebody. And so they may raise a claim against their coworker or their boss that the company has to deal with. And so it's good until it's not good is I guess what I would say. But it's not per se illegal, although there are many companies that have handbook policies yes. that prohibit that sort of relationship. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, let's just say that your boss, you're having, uh, you know, a relationship with your boss. You know, what happens if uh, someone says, hey, look, you know, she's having an affair with the boss and look at she's getting higher raises. She's getting a raise. She gets a better office. She gets better work conditions. I mean, I would imagine that it's not just the two of them that can have a problem. It's other employees who who feel like they're not getting the, the favorable yeah, for sure. treatment. Yeah, yeah, maybe in any kind of term or condition. It doesn't have to be compensation or benefits. It could be, listen, you're not inviting me to these meetings anymore. I'm not going to business social events. It harms their ability to do their job and progress within the company. So that's part of it. But there's also another part where if the employee becomes unhappy in the workplace, what seems consensual may not turn out to be consensual. And someone say, hey, you know what? Are you sure that boss isn't pressuring you to go out to dinner with him or have this relationship with him? And then suddenly the whole thing gets flipped. So there's a lot of negative outcomes to what can be you know, a nice relationship. Let's take a break. And when we come back, I want to finish this conversation because I read that there is such a thing as a contract that you enter into with your coworker saying this is consensual. I'm, you know, we're going to treat each yep. other with respect. Yep. And this is not a quid pro quo relationship. Yeah, let's I don't, talk about that. That doesn't sound like a good <laughs> idea either. But if you have any questions for us here about employment law of any type, we'll be taking your calls. 312-981-7200. Oh, Bert Bacharach. Now, for those of you who are a little young, you may not even know who he is, but he wrote some of the great songs back in the 70s and 80s. 94 years old, he died this past week. Uh, R.I.P. We're going to be playing some of his uh, his hits. Uh, we're here with Patrick Dolan. We're talking employment law. If you have an employment question, now is the time to ask it about uh, interviewing, about workplace issues, about working remotely, vacation time, anything that comes to your mind about your workplace that you always wanted to know, here is the place to get the answer. 312-981-7200. Patrick, we were talking about uh, this thing called the love contract. Yep. So you're having a relationship with someone at the workplace, and I've heard that there's some contract that you can enter into to protect yourself. Does this have any validity at all? Well, you know, it's a nice effort. I'm not sure it really helps the employer to protect themselves or if something happens to use it against the person who's now complaining about harassment or discrimination. The problem is, even if even if you sign something at that time, it's like a snapshot. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really have an effect on what happens in the future. So it could all be good at that time. You're like, and the, you know, employees everything's say, working. everything's fine. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to complain. You know, this is consensual. All that sounds really good. Two, three months later, if things change or if they decide, you know what? I don't think I was thinking, I don't think I was in my right mind when I signed that contract. I'm not sure it was really consensual. So I don't, you know, those aren't really valid. I I don't think they are. So let's talk about this. And I get this all the time. I'm sure you do. Uh, It goes both ways, male and female. So I'm just going to use whatever gender. Um, You're receiving, you're you're at the workplace and you've got somebody who's, you know, asking you out or maybe bringing you flowers or buying you coffee or saying, can we go for a walk together? You know, nothing really there's no you know horrible things no horrible comments but it's just unwanted attention that you think is going into a romantic or attempting to go into a romantic situation and you don't want any part of it how is the best way to handle first of all 
is does that rise to the level of harassment at that point? Uh, no, I don't think it does. I, and I don't want to undercut civility in the workplace, compliments, doing nice things for each other. The problem is, though, if the person receiving the gift or the compliment or the invitation doesn't want it and they express that they don't want it, in the relationship, maybe there's an an unequal power dynamic. Maybe it's a boss and a subordinate. As you point out, genders don't matter. If the unwanted attention or harassment or discrimination is based on that person's gender, it doesn't matter if it's a male versus a female. So you're not really sure what's unwanted and what's not. So I would say tread lightly, but I would never say don't compliment or be nice to someone or ask someone to take a walk over the lunch hour or something like that. That's going too far. That's not harassment. Plus, nothing has really negatively affected that person's workplace. But if someone says, you know what? I don't want to take that walk. Thanks for the gift, but that makes me feel uncomfortable. Then or, stop it. Then stop. You really, yes, really should. right. That's the line. Right. That's the line right there. So so if it's the person on the receiving end, and you know, not everybody is, is bold, and not everybody feels comfortable saying to a coworker, please stop that, or I don't feel comfortable. But they have to, don't they? they don't, isn't it their obligation at that point to say, I'm sorry to, to have to say this, but I don't feel comfortable taking that cup of coffee or the gift or what have you, right? You know, it's a legal obligation mostly, but even if they haven't complained to the person about that unwanted behavior, it's not like they can't make the complaint later on to the company or pursue a legal claim, whether it be a charge of discrimination or something like that. So it doesn't prohibit them from taking that filing or litigation action later. Should they say something? Yes. Does the law want them to say something? Yes. Because you're supposed to give the employer a chance to remedy that situation. But it doesn't necessarily foreclose their ability to bring a claim down the road. And one of the things I'm sure you give the same advice, Patrick, uh, in, I give it like in all walks of, of, of the law here, you don't want to bring a lawsuit, right? I mean, you don't. You, if you like your job, right, and you find it, you know, you have to support your family and yourself, and you yep. pay your rent, and you don't want to be without a job. And a lot of people say, like, okay, I have a lawsuit now. Well, you either have a lawsuit or a job. Now, it's not to say you can't file a lawsuit while you're still employed, but. The practicalities of that are ridiculous. No, they're really hard. You don't want to end up litigating. You don't want to end up filing a charge or filing a lawsuit. Trust me, you don't. It's time-consuming. It's incredibly stressful. It can be expensive, depending on your relationship with the attorney as far as attorney's fees go. Um, It's just not – and plus, all of that – uh, like detailed information about your relationship is going to come out. Um, and you know what? That's not all great because the company could say, hey, listen, you consented to go out with this person. You consented to that romantic relationship. You consented to this and that. And then you're going to have to explain why you didn't. And that gets really messy. And it's just not some, it's something you want to avoid. And you can. I mean, you should if you're uncomfortable talking to your boss about the fact that that behavior you think is inappropriate, talk to HR. If you're uncomfortable with HR, talk to somebody else who's in a position of management, preferably within the organization. Talk to somebody whose job it is to help you from the company's perspective remedy that situation. 
And, you know, I've seen it over and over where someone does bring a lawsuit and it follows them around because even though we live in a big metropolitan area, Chicago and the Chicagoland area, I know as as lawyers, people who are in advertising, everyone kind of gets to know who, we, you know, each other. Where did you work? And then someone calls over there and they say, well, she brought a lawsuit. And listen, employers don't like people who bring lawsuits, yeah, right? Even, even though that's illegal, that's retaliation right. in and of itself, it happens. And plus, these lawsuits are public filings. Um, a federal or a state court lawsuit is a public filing. Now, a charge of discrimination with the EEOC or the IDHR is not. That's a confidential proceeding. And you cannot get that information if you're not the claimant or the respondent, the person complaining or the company. Okay, but but that's not to say that people won't know. People people talk all the time, right. especially in industries that are really incestuous. Right. I mean, I think advertising is a really good example. People move around in that industry all the time as clients come and go. They all know each other and they talk. That's right. Give us a call here if you have a question about employment, and we're going to be get, taking up uh, calls about everything, all legal issues in a little bit. But uh, so that, now that I have Patrick here, I want to focus this a little bit on workplace issues. 312-981-7200. You're listening to WGN. We're here with Patrick Dolan. We're talking about uh, employment law, and we have some really good questions. Let's go to John. Uh, welcome to WGN. John, you have a question for Patrick about an employment issue. Yes, ma'am. How are you today? Good. Thank you. Hi, John. Beautiful day. The sun's out. So it, it is great. It is great. So about a month ago, I went into my general manager, and I said, I've been here five years. Uh, can I get a raise? He says, we don't give longevity raises. I said, well, you just hired someone last month, and he's making the same as I am. He, she said, that's proprietary information. You can be terminated for discussing that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah no, that's wrong. Your employer's wrong. Um, you're protected in your ability under federal law to discuss compensation with other workers in the workplace. There you go. Yes. Now, let's take it. And, and, and by the way, you also can't be retaliated against. So his additional statement is it's proprietary or confidential or whatever he thinks it is, and you could be disciplined or terminated. That's also wrong. It's illegal to terminate someone or discipline someone for having that discussion. So you got two things there. Okay. So let's take this one step further yep. because as lawyers, we know the law and we can tell you what the law is. But as a practical matter, you've sure. been here before, Patrick, yep. with people. What would you say to John on how to handle that with his boss? I mean, obviously, there are personality issues. You know what the dynamic is, John, between you and your boss and how best to deal with them. But, Patrick, would you give him some advice on how to handle that? Yeah, I would take that to HR. If you don't like that response from your boss, frankly, because he's wrong, um, then you should take it somewhere else. But you should move that information along and say, you know what, my boss told me this, I don't think that's right. And I would move it to HR because HR can do something with it that frankly your boss maybe can't. And, and you know, sometimes bosses don't know the law. Yeah, well, it sounds like he doesn't. No, you know I mean? and, and so. sometimes I will advise people, and maybe, maybe you would give different advice, but sometimes I say like, you know, and do it in a nice way. I say, hey, look, I just want to show you. Here's the federal law. You Google it, you'll find it. Yeah, you will. And, and it'll say, I, you know, I, I don't think you can prohibit me from doing this and you can't retaliate i just want to let you know you know fyi 
And if you can do that in a way that kind of puts him in his it's place, tough, I know. because the last thing you want is for him to fire you, and then you have a lawsuit. But what good what is that? To do. Right. Well, you know what you, good is that? Yeah, but you can send a, a demand letter. You don't have to go to immediately filing. You can send the demand letter and show them the ways that they're wrong and negotiate something. But you're right, Karen. That's a tough position because you're afraid to say to HR, "Listen, my boss is wrong about this." Yeah, you know what be- I mean, because he's not going to like you now, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and then something else might happen to you, but that's retaliation too. Yeah. So, well, good luck. And hey, you know what? Give us the update. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Okay, John. All right. Take care. Uh, Stuart has a, oops, sorry. Sorry about that. Stuart has a question about non-competes. Hi, Stuart. Welcome to WGN. Good afternoon. It's a pleasure to speak with both of you. Thanks, Stuart. Great. Uh, I was just curious. I'm in, I guess you would say transportation. I'm a chauffeur for a limousine service. And, uh, I'm very happy where I'm at, don't get me wrong, but eight years ago when I was hired, I signed a non-compete agreement, and I was just wondering, does that go on in perpetuity, or is there an expiration on that, or do I ever wanted to pursue a different uh, path in this industry, or how does that work? Yeah, so non-competes, um, Stuart, have no expiration date. Now, there's a lot of other stuff going on with non-competes, whether it's enforceable against you for whatever you want to do next. And there's a lot of stuff there that, that I could get into, frankly, if you wanted to call my office, because there's so many issues there. But the short answer is it doesn't have an expiration date. I'm not sure the length of your non-compete. Is it a year or two or something like that? Do you know how long it is? I don't... I- no, I don't recall what it okay. said, and I, I've never had to sign one before, and I just yeah. kind of blindly signed, signed it. I never even got a copy. But, you know, there's a I've long... never had to sign one in all my years. Yeah, so, Stuart, there's, there's a recent Illinois law that um, does not allow a company to enforce a non-compete if you make less than 75000 a year. I'm not saying that applies to you. I'm just saying that's, that's the law that, that applies, frankly, to a lot of people, and I think for good reason. Okay. Um, but, you know, a non-compete, a lot of people signed offer letters with non-competes years ago, and they only, they don't even remember it or think about it, and then they want to leave and get a new job, and you're like, oh my gosh, I signed this. Is it, can I not work for that other company? And then you got to ask a lot of questions about, may or may not, but generally speaking, in Illinois, non-competes can be enforceable and are enforceable. And, you know, that's something that I think everyone should know, because like you said, Stuart, you blindly signed it, not thinking, and most people do the same thing. But you really have to look at it, because the last thing you want to do is not have a way to make a living. And it sounds like you've been doing this, sounds like you're happy with your job, but you're checking out your other opportunities, maybe more money, better benefits, whatever. And now you have to think about getting sued to enforce it, and it's it's a bad situation. Yeah, I would say, Stuart, chances are that it's actually not enforceable as against you, but the devil's sort of in the details there. But don't forget, generally right. speaking, it is enforceable. In Illinois, a lot of people think it's not, but it is. Or can be, I would say. Okay, yeah. well, yep. So the bottom line, Stuart, is someone needs to read it. Some yeah. lawyer would probably need to read it. And apply it to your circumstances. Yes, look at the terms, yeah. look at how long, yeah. look at what the geographic region is, look at all the circumstances in your type of industry and give you an opinion as to whether it's enforceable. And the other part of it is, you know, is your employer going to really pursue it? And has your employer pursued uh, enforcing these with other employees, right? You know, so... Right. He tried. He tried and for some reason couldn't with another employee, but... Oh, okay. Oh, bottom That's line a- is, if I ever get disgruntled, I will be giving your office a call. Yeah, All right. right. Please, now please I'm perfectly happy. And I've only got two more years left to retirement, so... Stuart, we love disgruntled people. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right, All right, I know. You guys have a great day. Okay, you too, and drive safe. 
Okay. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's see. I think we have time for another call. Let's go to let's go to William. Hi, William. Welcome to WGN. You're here with Patrick Dolan. Hi. Hi, William. Are you there? Hi. No. Bill. Yes. Oh, Bill. Hi, Bill. I'm good. Good. Go ahead. What's your What's your question? My question is, I'm I'm like a rideshare driver. And that's not a direct employee. Uh, that's a contract employment, I believe. Okay. And I'm just curious: is uh, can they arbitrarily? Uh, now they constantly try to update uh, the app. Update and to change the terms. You mean of of your compensation? I th- I believe so. It's. You know, usually it's about a 14-page legal thing which you have to agree to to, to continue working. <laughs> and you're thinking that they're 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 changing it, and you want to know if that's going to be legal. It has, it, it, it has been changed because the compensation has been reduced by probably 30 to 40 percent in the last three months. Okay, Bill. You know what? I'm going to put you on hold because it's a really bad reception, and it sounds like you're in a in the ocean uh, so uh, okay but we're going to get an answer so to turn your radio back on okay here we go so generally speaking um, companies have the right to change uh, compensation terms if there's a contract um, then maybe you can push back on on that but you know it, it's it's not that companies can't change your terms of compensation they can do that Okay. And and so let me, I had another little note here. I yep. had a texter a couple of weeks ago say, you know, when I was hired, my boss told me I could work remotely, mm-hmm. you know, all day, all a week. And now the boss said, this is not really working out. Now I want you to be, I want you to come back in the office. What recourse do I have? Um, probably not much, frankly. If you're being treated the same as everybody else, so there's no discrimination or anything like that. If the company wants you to come back into the office to work, uh, they can do that. Generally speaking, yes. I mean, a lot of people think that you have an absolute right to fairness in the workplace. No, and, you and, don't. And you kind I'd of have don't. a lot more work if that was true, but you, you really don't. It has to cross a line of being illegal or discriminatory or retaliatory, something like that. Okay, so let's just you got just a few minutes here. Um, your boss fires you because your boss says, I think you were coming in late, okay? But you weren't because you know you weren't and you have proof of it. Can the boss fire you for being late? No. I mean, not if they're wrong, um, because they're saying uh, essentially that you're violating a term of your employment and you're not, i.e. showing up on time, for example. You're like, I know I did show up on time. Look at no. So no, they can't. Okay. And um, let's talk a little bit about uh, social media. Sure. I think we have 45 seconds okay. here. Can, can, can the boss fire you for things that you do outside the workplace on social media? Say you're posting things that are conservative or liberal or what have you, or you're, you're spouting uh, you know, opinions and the boss says, listen, I can't have someone doing that on social media, you're fired. Well, um, public employers, um, we have to demonstrate public and private. Let's just say private companies. Okay. Okay. Um, Then, uh, no, they generally can't. I mean, yes, they can if it's not a term or condition, sorry. If it's just your political opinion, et cetera, no, they cannot fire you for that. If you're talking about something that goes on in the workplace, um, whether it be your compensation or something about your you know, boss where they did something wrong, like discrimination or something, um, that's protectable and you cannot be fired for that. So, But if you're just talking generally about political events or something that you're just providing your opinion really has nothing to do in the workplace and you're doing it outside, <clears throat> excuse me, outside of your job, 
no, you cannot be disciplined or terminated for that, generally speaking. But you should still be very careful because you should be. even if the boss makes a mistake, you're still without a job. Yeah, you are. And criticizing your boss, you know, maybe you could be fired for that. So, you know, they just don't want that. You're listening to The Karen Conti Show. We'll be taking your calls, 312-981-7200 on WGN. Welcome back to The Karen Conti Show. We're here with Patrick Dolan, and we're talking employment law, but we're also opening up the phone lines for any legal questions you might have, whether it's divorce, contracts, criminal. I'll just try to give you an answer, or I will try to steer you in the right direction. Uh, And you can always call me at the office if you don't want to talk on the radio. My number there is 312-332-7800. But the best way to get in touch with me is my email, which is wgn at askkarenconti.com. That's ask, K-A-R-E-N-C-O-N-T-I, askkarenconti.com. Let's go to Paul, who has been patiently waiting. Hi, Paul. Welcome to WGN. Oh, thank you very much, Karen. Uh, real quick, uh, I drive a truck, and is a company? Can companies violate DOT regulations that we as drivers follow? Uh, no, and if you file a complaint based on that, you can't be retaliated against under the whistleblower law. So um, the answer is no. Can you tell us? Is you don't have to because you, you may not want to. But what kind of what are they violating as to uh, d- different ways they're doing business, or as to the employees, or or what what is what is the nature of the violation? Well, the violations are uh, uh, various. I mean, hours of service, hours of off duty time. Uh, there's there's serious violations here. And I'm just curious as to what is something that, as a driver, what rights I actually do have or don't have. Yep. And so you can can file a complaint, and the Illinois Attorney General under whistleblower law may pursue that complaint, and you may uh, be entitled to a part of the recovery if they're successful. Generally... 15 to 25%. The other part of that is if you if if there's um, uh, an action that the company wants you to take to participate in some sort of illegal activity or further um, those issues that you just brought up, um, that can also be the basis for a lawsuit or a claim in Illinois. Uh, in violation of a public policy claim. So you've got a couple different things that can protect you. You can either file a complaint, or if you're asked to participate, you can refuse and you can file a lawsuit. Now, that's what we've talked uh, talked about before, Karen. You know, lawsuit is not necessarily a great way to go about it. What you're trying to do is just get the company to do the right thing, right? So maybe filing a complaint with a federal or state agency and have them pursue it is a better way to go about it. And so it doesn't necessarily fall on you uh, in any retaliatory acts, uh, you know, would not would not come to you either. So that's probably a better way to do it. And just one final question, Paul, is your is your goal to have them do the right thing? Or is your goal to leave the company and have them be held accountable? Uh, well, it's it's uh, unfortunately uh, I'm <laughs> I'm at my wit's end here. Yeah, uh, I've tried numerous times to uh, communicate things to them, and they really don't. It's as far as it goes, care what I what happens or whatever. Well, so that, that's I, I'm just, 
Yeah, that's super frustrating. Um, and I hear that a lot in different industries, different claims, etc. And so, you know, honestly, maybe someone needs to send him a demand letter and say, unless you address these things, a, com- a complaint or a claim is going to be filed with this federal state agency. And then you're going to have to deal with that as an employer. So it's that, amazing that, well, that, that, yeah, that, that happens, but thank happens you a lot. both very much. I appreciate it. Okay, thank Paul. You. Well, good luck. Good luck to you. Have a good day. Okay, you too. Let's go to, is it, uh, I don't know if it's Carl or James. Jim. Hi, Jim. Hey, Jim, welcome to WGN. Yes, I I got a question for you. Um, I I did some work for a client. I I subcontracted um, to do some work for an end user. Finished the work, then they refused to pay um, because of an out-of-state supplier said he shouldn't have that work shouldn't have had been done if the measurements were correct um, from the uh, manufacturer. So they said, well, don't pay him. The manufacturer is going to pay him. And I'm like, well, I didn't contract with the manufacturer. Right. I contracted mm-hmm. with you. So now the um, the distributor is out of state. I believe it's Colorado that started this whole ball of wax rolling that, well, don't pay him. If I filed a small claims against the end user, could I have the distributor that's in Colorado subpoenaed to come in for a small claims court case? Okay, so generally speaking, and you're talking about Cook County, and you're in Illinois, correct? Correct, right. Generally speaking, uh, unless you get leave of court, meaning you have to ask the court for permission, you cannot issue a subpoena or discovery in a small claims, okay? And you have other problems in that you can't force somebody in another state to come to Chicago to testify. You can file a subpoena to get documents. You might be able to take a deposition, but with the amount of money you're talking about, that seems to be cost prohibitive. Um Here's my thought, and maybe I don't understand it completely, but it sounds to me like, why do you even need that? If you contracted with the person in Illinois or the company, they're responsible. Now, to the extent that they want to point their finger at the Colorado company, let them do that. But that's not your job. You contracted with this entity in Illinois, correct? Correct. So you you don't... Somebody bought it through a distributor not the manufacturer. So the distributor said, you know what? You're my good client. I'm not going to pay. Don't don't pay that bill. Kick it back to the manufacturer. They should be responsible for it. And and so let and let them let them make that argument. Yeah. But you it seems to me that why do you even need to do that? Let just get your judgment against this company and let them fight their fight with the other entity. That would be the best way to do it. And I don't think you're going to be able to issue a subpoena and I don't think you're going to want to take a deposition and fly there uh, unless it's, it's uh, ski season <laughs> and uh, right. and spend your time right. doing that. So um, that's my best advice. But again, I don't know all the facts. So um, that that's that that's that makes sense to me what about trying to sue somebody from out of state i would actually have to sue them if i'm in illinois i would have to go to the out of state to do all the filing and yeah, everything it's then, it, it's complicated i can't give you an answer because if they were doing business if the company in colorado were doing business in illinois and you could prove they had a connection to the state right. of illinois then maybe you could bring them in but then you would have to serve them with process in colorado very complicated um for a small claim and you're doing this on your own so i would go with the easy route and the easy route from what you're telling me is to sue the person you contract with i agree 
That's Correct. just the easiest Everything way. Everything else is too complicated. Everything else is yeah. complicated, even for a lawyer. And yeah. if you're on it, your own, yeah. you know, small claims are supposed to be user friendly and all of that. And they really, really aren't. And then the other part of it is once you get your judgment, then you have to collect, which is another situation, which means you might have to put liens on property and garnish wages and bank accounts. So it's not the end of the story to get a judgment. And a lot of people think, you know, I'm going to go to court, get a judgment, and then they're going to pay it in five days. No, that's that's a whole other thing. But uh, but good luck to you, Jim. And, and hopefully you can uh, use your Perry Mason skills and, and get a judgment and collect it. Okay. All right. All right, Jim, take care. We're going to have uh, one last segment. If you have a question, 312-981-7200. And if we don't have questions, we're going to play a little game because it is Abraham Lincoln's birthday and he was a lawyer. And we have some little known facts about Abraham Lincoln as a lawyer. You're listening to WGN. It's so appropriate that my next caller is calling about divorce. We're taking such a beautiful song. It's Eric, such a beautiful on. song. We're going to ruin it. Sorry, Dan. Uh, anyway, give us a call here if you have a legal question of any type. 312-981-7200. Dan, you have a question about divorce. What is it? Yes. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. Uh, the question is, uh, we've been married almost 40 years, and my wife has decided that I'm uh, not worthy of being with her anymore, and she wants a divorce. And she has not worked. We homeschooled our kids and raised them and sent them off. House is paid for. And she says she wants money. And how is that split up? Does she just, we, we don't have a lot of money. Uh, and I'm just curious, is there like a table that they go over that this, this much goes to her and this much I keep or what? Yeah, that's a good question. And I'm just going to ask you one further question. Do you, are you working still? Yes. And she's not working. Correct. And she hasn't for years. No. When I say working, I'm saying outside the house, because, of course, raising children is work. Is the hardest that's job why, there is. That's why men go and get a job outside the house. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Um, okay, so here's how generally the courts look at it. Long-term marriage, uh, basically her contribution to the marriage was raising children, being in the home, doing those things, and your contribution is deemed to be equal to her contribution. So generally speaking, uh, the courts look, they start out with 50-50. So they would take the house, let's say your house is paid off, you three worth three hundred thousand uh, dollars. You would have options to either sell the house and divide the proceeds, or you could buy her out if you have other assets, or she could buy you out of the equity in the home. Uh, generally speaking, if you can't agree on that, the court will order you to sell the house, and the proceeds get distributed. If there are any retirement accounts, no matter whose name the account is in, if it was acquired and, and accumulated during the marriage, that also gets split up fifty fifty. All bank accounts, all property. Uh, the only thing that you get to keep is maybe your inheritance, if you inherited money that you kept separate, or any personal items that you have, like that were gifts to you, golf clubs, things that are personal in nature. She would keep her jewelry and whatever gifts that she she got. So that's how the courts look at it. Now, the other issue that you probably have to deal with is the issue of maintenance, which is spousal support, which means it's not child support. It's for it's like alimony, formerly known as alimony. And she could claim that you're working and she's not, and therefore she could claim a portion of your income until you retire. How how old are you, Dan? Well, I'm going to be seventy this September. Okay. Do you have? I retired retired from one job. And I have a pension, and I'm working a little side job at one of the local stores in town 
just to have some cash flow. Got it. And we're both on Social Security. Okay. So the pension gets split up too, and uh, she would be entitled to a portion of that pension. So actually get an order gets entered at the pension uh, organization, and they will literally split up that pension and give her a portion on a monthly basis and then give you your portion. And again, these things can be negotiated. So maybe she's not interested in the cash that you're making on the side job. Maybe you give her a little bit more cash, you get to keep your income. Uh, but all of those things can be negotiated. But given your situation, I don't know that that's something that you would want to handle on your own. Just because at your age and with the this, the situation, you're going to want to make sure that this is done correctly. Um, and doing it yourself is going to be a little complicated. Well, I, I know that I couldn't do it myself because um, that's it's already above me. Yeah. So basically, what happens is everything that I've uh, we have my pension. Now, does my Social Security stay mine? Or Your Social Security stays yours and hers stays at hers. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Well, yeah. And you know what, Dan? Um, I, I do this kind of work, so if you want to send me an email and we can chat, I always talk to people about their issues before you know a decision is made about re- retaining some lawyer's charge for that. I don't. Uh, so why don't you give me a call and maybe I can steer you in the right direction. I actually have some documents that I've drafted that kind of explain it in layman's terms about maintenance, about property division, and um, let me send those to you so you can see what I'm talking about. How's that? Okay, that'd be great. Okay, Dan, I'm going to put you on hold, or uh, my uh, my uh, producer is going to put you on hold, and I'm going to give out my contact information. It's three one two three three two seven eight zero zero. And uh, if you, the best way though is to email me, and that is wgn at askkarenconti.com. Um, I'm here with Patrick Dolan, who is an employment lawyer. Let's let's wrap up with some quick answers to questions. Last uh, week, I had a texter who asked me, do, am I entitled to two weeks notice from my 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 employer no um unless it's in an employment agreement offer letter something like that the answer is no you don't have to give them two weeks and they don't have to give you two weeks okay a lot of people think that that is a that's mandatory or how about if you give notice you give two weeks notice and your employer says no leave tomorrow that's fine i mean they can do that they can do that yep they can do that and they just you you're not entitled to any compensation after the last day you work okay Let's talk about vacation time. I know a lot of people okay. are thinking about uh, going south sure. for a little bit. Uh, so tell me, is there some legal obligation for an employer to give you vacation time? No, uh, except if they have a policy or if they have an agreement with you, then they do. And that will dictate the terms of vacation, which is really like how much you accrue. Do you accrue it monthly? Do you get it all up front? Um, the only thing that Illinois law says about vacation is if the company has a vacation policy, and most do, then upon termination, for whatever reason, you resign, you're terminated, you're entitled to the accrued unused vacation with your final paycheck. Okay, so but they can, they, the company have a policy which prohibits rollover, which requires you to, to use it um, within a calendar year. They can do pretty much anything they want with regard to vacation. And a lot of companies now, Karen, have a no, don't have a vacation policy. And the reason they do that is so they don't have to pay you vacation that's accrued unused when you leave. 
So if you get a job, and you know, a lot of these big companies will have a formal process, but if you're working for a small company, say a few, is it a good idea to like get them to say that in writing? Like if you say, if I negotiate, you're going to pay me X amount of dollars, you're going to give me three weeks vacation, you know, is that a good idea to put that in writing so that at least that creates a policy for you? Yeah, it should be in your offer letter. And a lot of that, a lot of it is vacations very commonly in someone's offer letter and employment agreement. And if it's not, you should include it. Or, but if there's a policy, then that's good enough, frankly. I mean, if there's a company policy that applies to you that provides vacation, that's all I need. Okay, so let's talk about severance. So, uh, so you're 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 leaving a job, and you're uh, you, maybe they're there's they're laying people off or whatever it is, or maybe it's for cause, and they put a severance agreement in front of you and it has all this terms yeah. and legal stuff, and and maybe they're giving you a little bit of money, but they're asking you to waive all kinds of things. Do you need a lawyer at that point? Their severance agreements are are very complex, and they include a lot of things: compensation. Um, after you know separation pay benefits what restrictive covenant non-compete obligation you may have there's a lot of stuff that goes in a separation and release agreement the release agreement's important because the company doesn't want to be sued obviously for giving you a bunch of severance pay but let's take about severance pay for just a minute illinois does not require an employer to pay anybody severance but a lot of companies do have severance plans, and a lot of companies put it in an offer letter or an employment agreement, then it becomes an enforceable right, and it's something that you're entitled to. Or even if they have a practice, even if they say, you know what, we pay you know, employees when they leave. We don't have a formal plan. It's not written down. But if they have a practice of paying, you will have a right to it. Patrick Dolan, thank you so much for joining me. If you want to contact Patrick, he's at my number, 312-332-7800 or WGN at AskKarenConti.com. Thank you for listening. And good to have you, Patrick. And I hope all of you have a great week and happy Valentine's Day to everybody. And we'll talk next week on Sunday. Take care.